I'm joined now by Stella O'Malley. She is a psychotherapist, a writer, and a public speaker who has written books on mental health and on bullying. Stella, thank you so much for giving up your time today. Um, no, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. I'm going to start with a really obvious question. How do you define bullying? Um, I, like, I like the definition that is often used, which is it's repeated aggression from somebody with more power. And, you know, it's simple and it's easy to kind of uh, process it. Um, the key point is it's repeated. You know what I mean? There's a pattern and they have more power. So if somebody, you know, has a fight with somebody else and it's an equal fight and they have another fight. That's not bullying. That's aggression. It's violence. It's lots of things, but it's not actually bullying. Bullying is when there's a power dynamic as well. And the power dynamic doesn't have to be from a teacher to a child. It can be from a child who has a lot more social status than a child who doesn't. It can be a bigger child. It, there's lots of ways to have power. Yeah, because when we think power dynamics, straight away we go to teacher, students, boss, yeah. employee. But you're right, it's more about the emotional power and social standing. And I was going to ask you, because I think sometimes we just throw terms out there because we're, we just don't have another way to express what we're feeling. But what is, I know you re uh, mentioned repeated, so that's good to know, but what is the difference between bullying, meanness and being excluded from something? Oh, yeah. Well, both meanness and um, being excluded can be bullying, but they're not necessarily bullying. So if it's meanness, just if I'm just mean to you right now, you couldn't call that bullying because it's just straight. It's just happened. If it happened every time we were in work together. And also if I happen to be that little bit ahead of you in, in the workplace, or if I am very popular and I kind of used my, my popularity to kind of throw my weight around and be mean to you, that could become bullying. And, you know, it's, it's the same with excluding, excluding somebody, because imagine it happens all the time. Well, not so much at the moment, but usually yes. that uh, for birthday parties, um, you know, the, the, the child is only allowed to invite five. She invites five. The sixth person feels left out and they have been left out. Now, that's not bullying, excluding, because that's numbers and logistics and um it has to happen in life if you only got certain amount of numbers that you can get in the car or whatever. However, if that's done on a repeated basis and if there's a power element involved insofar as the kid who's not being invited just doesn't have the social status of everybody else. So if every other kid all did a birthday party, they all excluded the same child. Now we've got a pattern and we've got a power imbalance. And you can see you can see what's going on. I know this isn't an easy question to answer, and this is basically then assuming cause and effect. But why do people bully? Oh, yeah. Well, when you like, I wrote my book "Bully Proof Kids," and the reason I wrote it was so many kids were coming, and I'll tell you in a second. But it was so many kids were coming to me for therapy about being bullied. And then over time, I realized, you know, there's three big secondary schools near me and one uh, school consistently had children coming to me for bullying, while one school almost never did. And if it was, it was the bully who was being sent to me. And the other school was like the medium. It was a bit of bullying, but there wasn't an awful lot. And that was really interesting to me because I thought it's quite clear. These are three very similar schools from very similar towns, and yet they have a very big difference. 
And I really felt that there was a culture of they stamped out bullying in one of the schools and they were allowing it unfold in the other. And that's where I come from that. You know, that great quote from Robert Audrey, Audrey, which is we are born of risen apes, not fallen angels. We come from the apes and the apes were armed killers. Besides, we come from animals who sought power. And we still do. So anybody from Michael D. Higgins to Donald Trump to, you know, anybody who Joe Biden, who is in a position of power, they have sought power. And some people really seek a lot of power. And anybody who's got into the heights of Michael D. Higgins, he has a power. He has a real need for power. We all have it to a greater or lesser degree. People who are bullies have a high need for power. And they're trying to get power over other people. And if you're a bully, you, you will get power any way you can, like Hitler or whatever. Well, if, you're, um, if you've got kindness in you and if it's been nurtured within you, then you could quite easily um, want to get power, but you'll try and get power through decent means, i.e. Michael D. Higgins. You'll work very hard and you'll do great works. And you'll yeah. still get your power need, but it won't be from whacking somebody. And so it's literally if you feel like I've got a little bully in my hands and may I say to anybody who's listening, it's so much more decent and loving to admit that to yourself, to admit your child has that streak, because it's a streak that can be nurtured in a very nice way. Do you follow me? So that they can yeah. be somebody who achieves very, very highly, but without it being checked, they can become a bully who's just looking for um power and they're looking for it in any way they can and they haven't been civilized they haven't been socialized by their guiding adults our parents you know there's a there's an interesting book called um the psychopath inside and it was by james fallon this is fascinating he's a neuroscientist and he he <laughs> when he was doing kind of he was looking at brain scans of his family and he was also looking at brain scans of psychopaths and he was dividing the two brain scans. He had done this family because it was something like Alzheimer's in his family and he was trying to kind of figure it out. And then he suddenly realized, oh my God, there's a psychopath in the family because he saw one of the brain scans and he could see the scan was the same. This is a true story. And then he realized to his horror, it was him. He was the psychopath. No. Yeah, yeah. and like a true psychopath, he wrote a book about it <laughs> called The wow. Psychopath and he, it's a very interesting book and he talks about how he has all the traits which means it's kind of a color blindness a psychopath doesn't care what other people think yeah doesn't care he gets what he wants yeah and so he realized he had it and he realized there was a cold ambition to him and there's a competitiveness people weren't as shocked as he thought they'd be when he told them the people who loved him like there is a bit <laughs> something there in you and um it turned out his mother had nurtured a kind, decent man who became a neuroscientist that she'd spotted there was quite an extreme streak in him and she really looked out for it and really was all over it. So, you know, you can nurture the bully to a better place. You um, mentioned an interesting term there. You were talking about you work with three different schools and yeah. one school had managed to stamp out bullying. How do you do that? Like, what support does a school have to offer for that to finally happen? Because that's the world we want to live in. It is. And it's the million dollar question. It's quite noticeable that they go for the bully rather than the, the people who are being bullied. So, mm -hmm. so anybody who has any sort of um, streak in them, 
they get the phone calls home, they get the extra attention, they get the kind of, they're never left off. So that, that's one thing that I've noticed they're doing. It's a strict school insofar as behavior is concerned and there's an awful lot of emphasis on emotional well-being. And um, it's quite noticeable that schools that are very intent upon exams and results tend to have more bullying. And if you think about it, that makes sense because those of those who are willing to work very, very hard to get very, very good results have a power need in them. I have a power need. In, we all have a power need in us. It's just to make sure that we do it in a, in a decent way. You know what I mean? To, we get our power in a functional way. And so if you've got an awful lot of people who are very, very competitive, trying to do very well, whether it's sports or whether it's, it's exams, you've got an awful lot of people who have a high need for power and that can tip into bullying if it doesn't go their way. And so highly competitive schools are more likely to be more bullying than not so competitive schools. And is there a difference between the way boys bully and girls bully, or is it just all one thing? Very big difference. And it's testosterone and estrogen, you know, mm-hmm. like up until nine or 10, there's no difference because the, the, the hormones haven't kicked in. Then when the hormones kick in, it's fascinating the difference. Estrogen is very much the connecting, the communicate, you won't be surprised to hear this, the communicating hormone. And so how a girl bullies is very much through trying to diminish the social status of her target, trying to make the other one not liked by her friends. That's the MO. While uh, a boy who's filled with testosterone, he will be very much, bang, I want to hit you. I want to give you physical violence, instant aggression, <clears throat> short spike. So it's a very different way. But, you know, since, you know, if you put a gun in, in a boy's, um, pocket from the ages of 10 to 20 and told him to go through life without a doubt he would use that gun at some point during the 10 and 20 because the the, the rise of testosterone is phenomenal if you actually look at the numbers you just go how do they even stay sane they don't really because it's such a shoot of, of hormones so just to be aware of that they would use that gun somewhere between 10 and 20 because their anger would get the better of them because of those sh- spikes of testosterone now we've effectively put a gun in the girl's hands because we've put a mobile phone in their pocket and there it's all about connection and communicating and so they go on YOLO and they go on these anonymous sites and they they're constantly looking for social rising with their snapchats and their instagrams and they're constantly trying to diminish other people they have what is the equivalent of a gun with the mobile that is their weapon of choice and so you can see why so many girls get into trouble around their mobile use because it's it's the means of communication yeah. and it's exactly how they want to bully. And it is really hard because in like pre-mobile phone days, I know it's very hard to believe that there was a time when there were no mobile, mobile phones, but pre-mobile phone days, the bullying would stay in the schoolyard. Now bullying can be 24-7. If you are someone who is being bullied, can you talk to that person? What what Who can they reach out to for help? And how, yeah, who can they reach out to for help? Well, there's an awful lot of kind of teen lines and, you know, shine and different kind of places that offer different supports, but generally they're more serious than that. The Samaritans can be very nice, but again, it's more serious. I think if at all possible, if somebody's bullying, if at all possible, try to find somebody they know in real life, whether it's their sister or their brother or or, or an older adult. The, the school counsellors are very kind and it's amazing how few 
of the people who are being bullied who use them. Yeah. Usually once they use them, once they'll use them plenty. But it's that first step of telling something, somebody. I want to point out, though, people don't like to talk about being bullied. It's their biggest humiliation. It's their biggest secret. They don't want to pretend. They don't want to tell people I wasn't liked. I'm not liked. I've been judged and I'm not liked. And so their instinct is to pretend it's not happening. And their instinct is to kind of just bat it away and under diminish it in their mind. And that doesn't help. I know of, you know, little boy and, you know, he was called a horrible name. And because he didn't tell anybody, he was ashamed about the name. He was mortified about it. He just wanted it to go away. But because he didn't tell anybody, it didn't get nipped in the bud. And yeah. it could have. You know, an adult could have come in and could have been all over it, but it was his deepest shame. If you think of a name that would be highlight your deepest embarrassment, you don't want to tell anybody. You don't want to talk. So, so there is a genuine reluctance from the person who's the target. And the parents are often devastated they weren't told. And I get it. I get why the target doesn't want to say it. They're just like, I don't want to admit this to myself, let alone anybody else. So how do we remove that stigma? Because when it comes down to bullying... It is not your fault that you are being bullied. It is really the other person who has the problem. So how do we how do we drive that home to the girls today going, do you know what? You're being bullied and it has nothing to do with you as a person. Please talk to somebody. I think public awareness and things like this is the way forward. Because I kind of think the more people understand the dynamic that this person who's bullying me and causing me havoc they are they're see they're satisfying their power need. That's what they're doing. No, no more, no less. They're doing it in a dysfunctional way. And how they do it is it's imagine they're like an animal and they're scoping the pack, looking for a difference. They see difference and in they go. That's literally as basic as it is. Do you follow me? And that's why it's so fraught in first and second year in in in, in secondary school. It's because they're at their height if you follow me, of power, seeking power, social judgment, and they're just seeking who is different. You might be different because you're tall, because you're small, because you're clever. It could be anything. It's very, very noticeable. And in my book, Bullyproof Kids, I devote a whole chapter to, chapter to famous people who've been bullied. And it's very, very noticeable how many famous people have been bullied because they were different, because they were very good. You know, they were very good. They were either very beautiful or they're very charismatic or they're very good at swimming or whatever so it's amazing how many famous people were very good and as they often say it's very difficult to be different up until the age of 20 and between the age of 20 and 100 or whenever you're going to die it's probably the strongest thing about you yeah so it's, it's just so learning about difference public awareness about it's okay to be different you will be targeted by bullies but it's not a reflection on you, it's a reflection on them. But it is very tough. Like, you know, when we look back and go, well, that was only five years of our lives. But when you are in it, it is five years of your life and it is really, really tough. What do they do? Yeah. They need to get a few people on their side. They need to tell people. If it's a secret, they need to start telling people. You need to find your tribe more than anything. And that tribe might be, you know, your sister or you need a couple of people in your corner. And if you can't find them, that's when you should start ringing kind of the, the teen lines or the, you know, the Samaritans and stuff like that, just to start the ball rolling. When you've got a couple of people, even two or three on your side, you also need to find some sort of 
passion, some sort of activity that you can do that you can forget about the world. Do you know what I mean? You've got to find your art or your sport or something, something that will make you just that you can go home and forget about it. You need to get your, your parents involved in your tech use so that you learn to turn your phone off. It's very hard to turn your phone off. And I know it is, but it's essential to give yourself some mental, you know, relief. Yeah. So there are a few things you can do. They'd be the top three that I would say can help more than anything. It's your allies. You need a couple on your side. And what about those allies, those people in the middle who aren't the bulliers, aren't being bullied, but are seeing a situation that they know isn't right. They're feeling uncomfortable watching it. What can they do? They have all the power, you know, and if, if there's anything, remember the three schools I described, the bystanders aren't allowed to be bystanders in the, in the good school, in the school where there's very little bullying. The bystanders are 90% of the people. And they have 90% of the power. And if you look at all the wars in the world, if you look at Nazi Germany, bystanders allowed it happen. They, they rang their, head, their hands. They said, oh, my God. They said, this doesn't seem right. And they did nothing. And so in a way, what we have to do as a world, if we want to get rid of bullying, is turn the bystanders into upstanders. Honestly, about 10% are either a target or they're bullies. So imagine 5% and 5%. The rest are the bystanders. And the bystanders are allowing it to happen. And they feel comfortable on the fence and they need to be feel they need to feel less comfortable on the fence yeah and they need yeah. to be taught about the concept of an upstander and that if you're a bystander you're allowing evil to flourish and therefore you're complicit and you're guilty in your own small way you are and the sooner you become an upstander the better now you don't have to jump on a fire you don't have to jump into the middle of a fight and hurt yourself you can be clever you can say this is bullying happening here and I'm going to the school counsellor as no more than the objective bystander you know you can tell your parents as no more than the objective bystander and ask them there's a lot of ways to speak up you don't have to you know, jump in, but you do need to speak up and they need to be feel less comfortable that it's okay to stand around because they feel very comfortable about it. Frankly. Yeah, it's really, I, I'm glad you said that, that you're giving it a term, an upstander, and you don't, I think sometimes people don't get involved because they think they have to solve the problem. It is not up to you to solve the problem. It is up to you to make people aware of the problem and try and help things get better. Sorry. And sometimes that's literally just finding the adult in the room going, did you know this was going on? Yeah. Or just reaching out to the person and chatting to the person. And in a way, we collude with the bystander mentality. And I'm very uncomfortable with that. We collude with them. They say, oh, it's too hard for you. Oh, I see. I see. And I think if, if, you, if you were running a school or if you were trying to get an anti-bullying kind of campaigns in there, I'd go for the bystanders and say bystanders need to speak up. If they can speak up, the world can change. But I'm talking about every war in the world. Like every That's all of us. Every yes. single one of us need to take yeah. responsibility for that. Yes. And I'm actually yeah. glad you said that. I think it's time to turn the, the focus yeah. around and put it, I mean, we all have a responsibility. But, um, because you see, there'll always be the 5% who are a bit dark. The, the, they will be there. We yeah. have, you know, and so we have to do something about that. Exactly. they just seem to be consistently there anyway. Oh, Stella, I thoroughly enjoyed this chat. Before we end it, though, can we end it with a message to those young girls out there who may be experiencing bullying right now? Can we reassure them that it is not their fault? Yes, we can. You know, I had a horrible time in school myself. I had a really, really hated it and it was awful. When I look back, it feels like a different planet. 
because, you know, I, I'm so much happier now than I was then. And I really did find myself and you really do settle and find your tribe and it will come. But you just kind of have to find like one by one, half decent people and it'll get better, you know, but it's not you. It's them. They're seeking power and they found you because there's something slightly different about you. And you know what? It might be the best thing ever about you. Exactly. Stella, thank you so much for giving up your time. Thank you.